And good evening and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. It is Wednesday, December 2nd, 2015. We're broadcasting live from our Guys Guys Radio studio in Harlem, New York, USA. And I hope everybody's getting ready for December because we're in it now. We're in day two. Um, Let me ask you a question. Why do people find romantic relationships so frustrating? The core differences between men and women might be a result of our evolution. But whatever the case may be, our guest this week, relationship expert, Dr. Catherine Foster, author of the books, The Naked Truth About Men and Romance, and the other book, What Women Want, has the answers to help bridge the gap between the sexes. If you have a question for me or for Dr. Foster, she's going to call in in a few minutes. Give us a call at 347 347- nine four five five eight three four or you can just listen in as you know all of our guys guys radio podcasts are available live on either blog talk radio or you can listen to it anytime you want on itunes or you can go back to blog talk radio and get the broadcast but all of our 160 plus podcasts are available on itunes for free you can just download them whenever you want listen to the in the car on the subway when you're at home, on your computer, whatever you choose. Um, Let's talk about what's going on before I bring our special guest, Dr. Foster, out. So, uh, because we're going to talk about men and women and relationships. But let's talk about what's going on out in the world today. I know there was another shooting in San Bernardino today, and I don't even know what to make of that because there's not a lot of information. It's all bad, of course. A lot of people... Over a dozen people, I think, right? Not quite 20 people. Maybe it's somewhere, you know, between 12 and 15 people were killed. Three shooters came out and uh, killed a lot of people, and they got away in a van as of right now. So uh, that's all we know that's been on the news. So another tragedy, and uh, it's just a shame. And we don't know if it's terrorism or if it's just U.S. terrorism uh, or just crazy people with guns, which is kind of the same thing. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. And speaking of which, you know, I don't like to get too political or anything, but I know we had the tragedy in Paris about two weeks ago. And this week there was a climate change conference there. And I was watching the president's uh, parting remarks about it and saying that, you know, this is something that's going to be a priority moving forward. And, you know, when you have 130 countries on board and at least they're sitting around, sitting down and talking about an issue like this, that's a key piece of movement that you didn't have a couple of years ago. And this is kind of what Obama said. And when you have that type of overwhelming uh, participation, you've got to think that there must be something to what the majority of these scientists are saying that there is climate change, man's activities have something to do with it, and we better get our hands wrapped around it because if we don't, things can get out of control very quickly. And then I was flipping through the TV dial and I was watching, and I was watching Fox just out of curiosity because I'm trying to find some 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 kind of kind of issue where they would agree with anything that Obama has done, just anything. And even on this, they were like, you know. How could they be having a climate change conference there? This is Paris. This is where the terrorism was. And, you know, how could he equate this to having anything to do with terror? And 
this is a joke and terrorism is the main issue. And I don't think anybody's uh, disagreeing that terrorism right now is the number one issue. However, there's many other activities we have to attend to and we have to look at the future of the planet. And I always wonder with these people who are climate change deniers, I don't know for certain, but when I see the majority, the vast majority of scientists are warning us and that you've got 130 countries on board having a conference about what we can do to lower carbon emissions, I've got to think that it's something that's worth talking about. And the real problem is, especially for people who are denying this, is what happens if you're wrong? Then we're screwed. So let's at least have a dialogue about it. Let's start putting some programs together to try to nip this thing in the bud before it's too late. And of course, of course, terrorism is the number one issue right now. Of course, of course, there's other issues to deal with. But you can't sweep climate change under the rug or deny that it's an issue worthy of discussion. It would be foolish. I mean, it's, it's not a political issue. It's the planet. It's our lives at stake. It's our children's lives at stake. Let's at least explore this thing. And I, I don't understand how adamant some of these folks are about just dismissing anything to do with it. And it seems to me that it's being politically driven. Like if one side says it, then the other side says it's wrong. It's really crazy. And uh, I've never in my entire life experienced such a divisive uh, political climate in this country where it's so polarizing. And then you flip to the other side and you've got, you know, Donald Trump as a Republican uh, front runner by far. And, you know, it's interesting. Here's the guy who wrote the number one bestseller, The Art of the Deal. And it's a great book, and he did a fantastic job. And like anybody else, not everything he says is wrong. A lot of times it's how he says things. But you know what? He brought some awareness to immigration as an issue. What he's suggesting and a lot of the comments he made, they're way over the top and the ridiculous, the whole thing with the wall and everything. What he doesn't, what, what to me, that, and he, he's on TV every night talking and talking and talking. And there's this network I get on cable. It's called OAN. And it's owned by some folks in San Diego, and it's very, very right-wing uh, news and commentary. It's like further right than, uh, than Fox. And they have him on every night, wherever he is on his you know, speaking tour. They'll just have him a feed of him speaking live, and he goes on and on and on. He said he's a good speaker. He's pretty interesting. He does make some salient points. He was talking to some uh, somebody had a question in the audience yesterday about what would you would you know advise young people kind of get out of college to do, and he said, "No, what I told my kids is no drugs, no alcohol, no tobacco." And hey, I've tried all I, I've I've tried all three, and I I think he's right in that. I don't think there's any positive that comes out of any of those three types of behavior. So I, I can't I don't disagree with him on everything. But my point is, when he talks about the art of the deal, he doesn't shut up. He needs to know that part of being a good salesperson, part of knowing how to close a deal, and the deal he's trying to close is one with the American people and with the Republicans first, is not to over-talk. Like, you make your point, he's got to lay back a little bit. I think he's blowing it. 
for the general election. I don't know what's going to happen with the Republican Party because it seems like it's pretty in a state of chaos right now. But I don't think there's any way he's going to get elected because he talks too much and he's just going to talk himself out of the race. And as a great salesperson, he should know better. So let's see what happens. Let's talk about romance now. <laughs> That's a segue. <laughs> the, the issues, the gap. I wrote my novel, The Guy's Guy's Guy to Love, because my inspiration was I thought that there was a growing communications gap between the sexes, where women were in one camp and men were in another camp, and instead of coming closer together, they were getting further apart. And I still think that's the case. And I think there's a lot of misunderstanding. And I think that there needs to be more empathy and compassion on, on both sides. Um, I think there's a lot of generalizations that are made from women about men and vice versa. And I have, being married now for five years, you know, when you really hunker down with somebody and cohabitating for real with a real commitment. And now my wife and I, we have a child. He's two and a half. You know, you really get to see, you know, the ways of communication are different. She's very feminine. I've been told I have a lot of masculine en energy. One of the things I want to ask our guest is about how can men channel their feminine energy without emasculating themselves. So, but it's a real issue in terms of how we communicate. It's not just about words. It's about active listening. It's about emotion, etc. So, Let's talk about our guest a little bit and then bring her out here. Uh, Catherine Foster is a PhD. She's a psychologist, private practice in Fort Worth, Texas. She's got a master's degree in marriage and family counseling and a PhD in psychology, and she's practiced psychotherapy for 27 years. She's also the author of two novels of psychological interest, Sessions, a memoir of a psychotherapist, and also Finding My Way. She's also got two nonfiction companion books I'm going to talk about tonight, The Naked Truth About Men and Romance, and her other book, They, uh, What Women Want, really, written for men, but meant to be read by couples. Um, and When Your Relationship Changes, How to Find Strength, that's another one of her books. Her website is katherinefosterphd.com. I'm delighted to have her on a show, and uh, let's bring her on right now. Good evening, Dr. Foster. How are you? Hello, Robert. I'm great. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, you're welcome, and we're pleased to have you here. So, um, you know, we're kind of a, you're 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 a PhD, and I'm a guy's guy, but I think we, in some ways, cover some of the same ground. So it'll be an I interesting know. conversation. It looks like it. Yeah. Uh, you know, my my book is uh, my first was a novel, but it was really about that issue of like the yeah. uh, something that you talk about bridging that communication gap between men Absolutely. and women. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's uh, let me hear and let our audience hear because they're they're they've heard it from me a million times. But let's hear it from you in terms of what inspired you to write the book and kind of what's 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 the book all about. Um, what inspired me, I think, is is 27 years of doing psychotherapy and a lot of marital counseling, you know, and seeing that the genders were kind of missing each other, um, but I don't think they have to. So. Uh, the Naked Truth About Men and Romance, let's start with that one. <clears throat> okay. You know, it, it, I, I really uh, put a lot of gin um, to that, but also um, stories from, a, from, my, from my clinical practice. So it's, it's, it's quite human and it's not difficult to read. But we now know things about the brain that explain the frustration 
that people have in romances and allows us to make sense of it and and fix it but the first thing is you have to you have to picture um where we began and how our brain structures came into being because for 99% of human development men were hunters and women were nurturers and our brains adapted to that so that is what we are living with you know mm-hmm. and uh it it means three major things you know and I'll uh, you know address this from a guy's point of view but n- number 1 is that men men had to toughen themselves emotionally to carry out their role. They were, you know, they were doing battle, they were defending everybody, and they had to kill animals for meat, which meant that, you know, if you do those two things, you must suspend empathy. Now, uh, Robert, you know, we still have 179 remaining hunter-gatherer societies, and we can look at those to figure stuff out. And uh, Mm -hmm. in those societies it's men's job overwhelmingly to to do the hunting and the making of the war but while men were doing that women were doing something quite opposite they were giving birth which hormonally flooded them with empathy and you know, remember that uh, empathy is really the ability to get into somebody else's shoes because mother nature allowed her to read a child before the child could really express himself so that's number one. Men had to toughen themselves emotionally. The second thing is that when male hunters killed or pursued animals, their testosterone rose sharply, and it made their sex drives high. So men have 10, 20, some people say 30 times the testosterone that women do. And that contributes to a focus on sex and, and the physical, but it also causes men to be self-oriented and self-interested. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of I women get into right. trouble in their relationships because they can be overly giving, and, of course, that can boomerang. But So as, as the female gathers were nurturing children, their testosterone remained less developed. Now, much to the chagrin of men, right? right? I mean, most men would like it if women's sex drive was higher. But instead, their oxytocin rose, which made their emotional selves blossom. And, of course, their, their sex drive wasn't supposed to be too high because they, they, were, they were needed to have a very high-touch but non-sexual relationship with their kids to stimulate the child's brain growth. It was necessary. So her oxytocin actually cuts off testosterone's effect. So that that's another difference is testosterone. The the third biggie is that men developed as silent stalkers of prey. And that meant that, you know, they they didn't want to stimulate the fight or flight in the animal, so they had to be quiet. And they used language differently than women than what developed in women. They they used staccato factual language. Women, on the other hand, were nurturing kids kind of talking all day and cooperating with other women for women became the way you establish closeness. And for men, uh, the, the physical became more of how you establish closeness. So, you know, men are different enough from women in terms of language and emotion and testosterone that therefore romance becomes an agreement to meet the needs of someone with different needs. 
you know, grant, granted, men and women both like to go to restaurants and movies and find intellectual stimulation and have fun and right. so on. But you know, after five years of marriage, in the guts of the relationship, you do find the essential differences. Sure. And communication. Yeah, yeah, and and emotion. A mm-hmm. lot of it has to do with emotion, I think, and I'll, I'll talk more about that. But <clears throat> okay, um, so. Do you think that that's something that's encoded in uh, modern society from, you know, it's a part of our DNA because, you know, the the hunting that men do now is a lot of it's corporate and for money and stuff yeah. like that. There's still an yeah. aggression part of it. It's not like killing animals per se. Oh, sure. But now you've got, um, so, but now you've got a, a sea change in that mm-hmm. uh, you have a lot of uh, women more and more who are getting their long overdue uh, recognition for the great mm-hmm. things they're done and they're making major strides corporately. So yeah, what's happened are. is it puts men in a, as a uh, re- kind of a mirror of relationships because it impacts relationships. I think, I think uh, it puts men in a position of, well, it puts women in a position of, well, we have to reassess what we need men for, for some of those hunting aspects to bring the meat in and all that we don't necessarily need them for that and they're not that good at the communication part of it beyond the physical so that becomes a problem problematic for women if they can't get their guys to communicate in a different way in a more empathetic uh, way I, I think yeah i mean i i think a woman i'm needs just question mark i'm, I'm asking oh I'm yeah yeah saying. yeah sure mm-hmm. i I, th- I think a woman a man to allow her to feel her femininity and a guy needs a woman to help him feel his masculinity. That's at the core of our identity, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the the question is, how do you do that, you know? And and that's where that's one reason I wrote the book is because it's it's it, it, it you know you have to really look at brain structure to understand it. So but, then, if you yeah, go, go go ahead, go ahead. Well, well, I'm just gonna say, you know, um, it's it's true that uh, we're living in a different environment now. However, our brains are the same. Like, w- w- like right now, uh, a guy's medial preoptic area, that's part of the brain's hypothalamus, is 2.5 times greater than a woman's is, and it relates to sexuality. It relates to the hunt, you know. He, he, he feels more masculine if, if he pursues her, if he feels the hunt. There's another part of a guy's, brain that's that's more active and it's and it's during sex it contributes to intense pleasure so even if a woman likes sex even if she's a multiple orgasmer she may still value sex less than her guy does because of his brain mm-hmm. so you know between nine sometime between nine and fifteen a boy's daily quotient of one cup of testosterone per day soars up to two gallons. And that <clears throat> that testosterone impacts his actual brain, his hypothalamus, and it causes it to grow over twice that of a girl's. And it pushes the thoughts of sex to the front of his thinking. <clears throat> it isn't that women don't have sex driver, women don't think about sex. They do, but, I mean, it, it just in comparison. The other biggie is that today men are four times more likely than a woman is, to see sex and emotional closeness 
as the same thing. Now, <clears throat> I think you're women, right. Yeah, w- women typically see dialogue as a way that you establish a romance and closeness, and sex is symbolic of the emotional closeness. So if a, if a guy wants to have sex with her and he says, I'm horny, that doesn't get him what he wants, you know. No. I, I'm always, I explain to men, they, they must talk to the woman <clears throat> about their desire for sex using emotional words. You know, it makes me feel close to you. I want to love you. You know, th- those those kind of words. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, I was talking about, you know, my assumptions on the, mm-hmm. on the female, <laughs> what's happening with women. Uh, because yeah. it sets up one part of the paradigm where, you know, it, yeah. it's a shifting landscape for women. Well, that, of course, yeah. impacts the shifting landscape for men. So on the other oh side, you've got yeah. you've got men and men are a little bit. I like to say that, you know, young men are somewhere caught between manscaping and the MMA and older guys <laughs> are, you know, they're wondering if they're still beyond their, you know, a lot of them. And I know I'm a boomer and I know a lot of my male friends. They uh-huh. value themselves and see others through the prism of value based on their career or how much money they make. That's it. Oh yeah. And it's very and it's very sad because I see a lot of them that they're time bombs for their behavior in terms of uh, uh, physical health uh, mm. and spiritual spiritual health because sure. there's, there's nothing going on there and they think that you know because eventually what's going to happen. And it happens with everybody is they're going to get kicked out at a certain point, And then what do they have? And it's going to be like, who right. am I? Whereas if you've been working on yeah. who you are there, you know, you know, for as a priority, mm-hmm. usually what happens is things come together much better for you career wise anyhow. But my point is guys mm-hmm. are in this conundrum because now, well, the women don't need them as much for the money. They continue to devalue themselves and each other based on the money. They don't really communicate empathetically, certainly not with each other. I mean, I go out with the guys who watch a game. We talk about sports about 80% yeah. of the time. If somebody has somebody, something to talk about of significance, they'll pull you aside and talk mm-hmm. about it. And that's sure. basically it. And then it's some grunting and then it's back to the game. <laughs> and uh, it feels right. like that's male intimacy. Let's mm-hmm. get some mm-hmm. nachos. And then, you know, you go on to the next thing. Guys are like... We're loners uh, when it comes down to it. We don't sit around and talk about it's not, you know, a lot of people call my novel a male sex in the city, but but it's not because men don't sit around in groups of four drinking cosmopolitans. It's two guys can I, competing. Can I, can I comment on why that's true? I mean, in terms of brain structure, because it's, it's very much a reality. That was my, you know? that was my question. Good. good. Yeah, yes, okay, please. okay, good. Well, there's an area... Of the brain, it's called the DPN for short, and it, it, in men, it's much bigger, and it has to do with, and and it, you know, it 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 starts happening when all this testosterone starts shifting to two gallons a day, you know, when you're in adolescence, right? So that starts mm-hmm. shaping the brain, so it causes you to seek a one-up power, competitive stance, and it can yes. make you sensitive to territorial threats from other men. So the the consequence of that is that guys don't develop the relationships with other men that women can develop with other women. Right. So women don't have that 
competitive power threat thing, you know, going going on. At least not nearly to the extent that men do. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. So, so that, let's, that let's... causes men to have have a different, you know, experience. With in in fact, Absolutely. in in fact, let's go back to childhood for just a sec. Because, you know, the the sexes really develop pretty separately until the sexual urge compels them to become intimates. So it's like going from nothing practically to too much, you know. So it doesn't give us a chance to understand the motives and the nature of one another. So as kids, the genders, and certainly there's exceptions, but they often don't like each other all that well, and they separate into same-sex groups because the girls want to focus on each other have rich dialogue, and make self-disclosures, which is the key to friendship. Meanwhile, the boys are doing something really different. They're, they're often in groups centered around competitive activity. Right. And, you know, when you're playing soccer or whatever, conversation is minimized. You establish hierarchies. Personal revelations are discouraged. So expectations as male and female of romance come out of our childhoods. Women expect men to do what they do, to establish emotional closeness through dialogue, to have empathic listening that includes tuning in so you can ask relevant questions, being patient and attentive as one one another talks and discloses, you know, watching for the rise of feelings as the other person talks. And mm-hmm. staying with the speaker verbally and non-verbally and listen, listening for changes. So that, as you probably know, that, that translates into adult females trying to draw men out to get them to talk about their real feelings. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, here's a conundrum. So that, yeah. I, I gave you my hypothesis on, you know, here's yeah. where women are now, here's where men are, are now, and I think we're kind of in agreement on that. Now, when you put them together, what's happening is, uh, based on a lot of the people I've talked to, research, I've done anecdotal research and all, is that women still want, although they are, you know, making their strides well-deserved recognition and strides forward, and it's not going to stop, and it shouldn't, that they still want men to be men. But Mm -hmm. a lot of, and I talk to a lot of relationship experts who work with women, I say, what's your biggest challenge? And a lot of them tell me is to have the women behave like women, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and not mm-hmm. be too dominating with the guys because what's right. happening on the flip side with men is the women are so capable and it's like you want to get together. They, you know, what I always tell guys is you come, you want to go out with a woman, come up with a plan that suits something that she said she has a desire for or something that she likes, set the plan, mm-hmm. take care of the date, pay. Yeah. And start from there. And then after that, you can do, you know, play it however it works. But just women want that and expect that. And uh, mm-hmm. but what happens is a lot of guys, particularly younger guys, it's like they're afraid to suggest something because the women's going to come up with a more specific, better idea. And they're going to, like, go back to, like, let's hang out. And then it's going to turn into a lot of just laziness and then texting and Tinder and everything else. And so you've got guys getting gun shy. And they're afraid of uh, talking about how they feel because they're afraid of instead of becoming more masculine by uh, exposing their feelings and sharing them, that they will become emasculated. So you've got women becoming more like guys and a lot of it's Mm -hmm. good. And then you have men 
concerned about what their new role is and fearing that they might be coming across as too macho and also at the same time being afraid that they'd be coming just emasculated, emasculated slugs. So yeah. Yeah. solve it, doctor. What do we do? <laughs> well, okay, <laughs> th- th- let's go back to your case where she has a better idea. You know, mm-hmm. I-, I think it would be neat if the guy went, you bet. That sounds great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of that and get it planned. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he really steps up. Because testosterone yeah. causes a guy to step up. It causes him to seek a, a, a type of social dominance. You know, and not, not a bad thing. It's, it's a leadership thing. It's not, there's nothing wrong with it. And really, a woman, a woman likes feeling that, you know? Mm-hmm. But sure. I, you know, you know after, after I wrote The Naked Truth About Men and Romance, I realized <laughs> that um, I needed to write a guide to put some of this stuff into practice because, you know, how do you do it, right? So exactly. I wrote uh, What Women Want Really. Now, when I say it's written for guys, what, what I mean is that the book's bullet-pointed and it's a pocketbook guide. It's very brief. But it's meant, I mean, it's best read as, as a, a couple, you know, because in, in each chapter there are questions that he can ask her. Because my goal in the book is to get, get a guy so he feels like a master, in the relationship he really knows what to do and why mm-hmm. you know now yep. let, let me let me let me veer off for that for just a sec because i i've got to, sure. i've got to explain this or nothing makes sense we now have you know these sophisticated mris and they've shown us that by the time a girl is 17 her brain has transformed so that the the processing of emotion has moved up into the cerebral cortex. Now, that's the highest brain, and that's where uh, stuff like reflection, language, reasoning all take place. So now her emotion is hooked up with, you know, language and reasoning and that kind of thing. So she can explain uh, what she feels and why she feels the way she does. She can really talk about it. She can hook up words to feelings pretty easily. And she can reason through the emotion. So somewhere by the age of 17, her emotional t- intelligence takes this leap. And she's, she's become quite different. She can now think her feelings and feel her thoughts. Now, a guy who doesn't know that is going to make constant errors. And let me illustrate that, okay? Um, sure. You have, you have two heterosexual women, and they go to lunch. And they, they both know that they want to deepen their friendship. So it's, it's pretty easy. They both start sharing negative emotion. You know, they, they say stuff like, oh, gosh, I felt so beat down at work yesterday. Or, you know, I feel so cheated when blah, blah, blah happens. You know, they make disclosures, and they mm-hmm. seek to be very real with each other. Okay, it's, it's the realness about their emotion that is the key. And that will take that relationship much deeper. But now let's take one of these women, and she goes to dinner with her guy that night, and she has this rising feeling that she wants that kind of closeness with him too. So she does what she understands, and she starts talking about her negative emotion. 
only it doesn't work. Because one thing that happens in a guy's brain, and men and women both have what we call mere neurons in, in the brain, mm-hmm. his, though, his, though, relate to what we call cognitive empathy or, or fixing something that's wrong, okay? Right. So his, as he hears her disclose, his mere neurons start jumping up and down and go in search of the fastest way to get her out of distress. Now, he doesn't have have any intention of shutting her down and making her feel kind of hurt, but she really doesn't want her her feelings stopped. She wants to go on with them. She wants to speak more about them, you know, and it feels like cold water just got drenched, you know. So she she realizes, okay, okay, that didn't work, you know, so she backs up and she tries, and this is the position a lot of women get themselves into, where she tries getting him to talk and him to say his feelings. But a guy's mind is often in neutral in, in terms of emotion. See, women have this um, this this brain where they feel their emotions more often and more intensely than guys do because of the, the setup of, the, of their brains. And so they can, you know, women have feelings about everything. You know, I can look around my office right now, and I've got feelings about the clock. I've got feelings about the flowers. You know, I've got, I've got feelings, you know. And so it's easy for her to talk about those. But, but the deal is he, he must know that he's got to first calm down those mirror neurons, probably by going into a state of relaxation and being conscious of letting go of finding solutions and get into a different state, you know. And I've joked with a lot of guys in therapy that they need a tattoo. I'm kind of serious about this. On one wrist, that reminds them to say, you're the most important person in my life. I want to know how you feel. Because for a woman, what he's saying is, I want to know the true you. I I want to know your identity. I I want to know what you're – the guts of you is about. So what, what what happens is that men's the processing emotion of emotion of processing negative emotion remains in the amygdala for guys, and so men are often suspicious of emotion. It's it's something to be bridled. They fear being reactive. So when they see her, you know, becoming upset or something, they often want to help the woman get out of that, you know? But it's not the same for her. She wants to feel her thoughts. She wants to think her reasoning. She wants to to have a process of talking about it. Yeah, I agree a thousand percent. Let let me give you an example of that gone wrong. And I think it happens (laughs) often. I know... Mm -hmm. You mentioned that two-thirds of the divorces are initiated by women. I can understand why, because it must be so frustrating. But here's the flip side. Here's what happens with guys. Because you hear, you know, and I, I had a girlfriend, and every time I got together with her, she, you know, shared her negative emotions about her job or whatever. And every single time. And, you know, yeah, at first I was foolishly trying to fix it. And then I just, like, gave up and kind of tuned out. And then I was thinking, you know, She's just not an. She doesn't appreciate. You know, she just doesn't appreciate what she has, and it's just this constant litany of mm-hmm. complaining 
and negativity. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I didn't see it as, as here's a way of getting closer. I just kind of mm-hmm. shut it off because the way guys are, I think you nailed it when you said they're kind of neutral emotionally. Mm-hmm. When a man, you know, you and I've had this in discussions with women I've dated and even with my wife, you, you know, if I don't say anything, that means everything's good. If I have an issue, I'll <laughs> let you know and we'll talk about mm-hmm. it and then we'll either mm-hmm. solve it or not. And then we'll keep going. Mm-hmm. But because at a certain point, you know, we'll talk about stuff that's on her mind. And like, so it, it, you know, we get to a point where I don't know what else to say because I've said everything that I can and mm-hmm. I feel, and that's it. And uh, there is still a chasm there between men and women where based on those two behaviors, uh, sometimes they don't intersect the right way and things can fall yeah. apart. So continue yeah. on that, please. Um, it, you know, there always, there's, there's always people and women in the world who are just, just gripers, you know, and, and I, I like the idea of a guy in a situation like that, you know, reasoning with her and saying there's so many other topics to talk about, you know, and and you probably have feelings about other things too. And I'm wondering if we could limit, <laughs> you know, how much we talk about work. Uh, honestly, providing a little guidance like that I don't think mm-hmm. is, is bad at all, you know. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, so, you, you know, in all of everything we talk about, there's always people that are way out there and they just, you know, they don't know how to control it. But so, Well, how, let me ask you this. Yeah. I, and I hear this from men uh, kind of, they don't come out right out and say it, but it seems like a lot of relationships, people have, uh, you know, couples, there's a lot of hot sex going on and then people get married and then they have kids or something and then mm-hmm. the sex quotient, the heat yeah. gets turned like way down and the guys yeah. are still, I'm horny. And the women are like, yeah. let's watch fix the fixer upper show on uh, HGTV <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's like, some darn good reasons for that, Robert. <laughs> okay. it, it, you know, well, uh, yeah. It, the, the thing is that mother nature wants us to couple. And so she has guaranteed that we will. And she has given us a hormonal cocktail when we're first dating. And it promotes, um, court, you know, couplehood, courtship, it, it, but it can be deceiving, right? So what happens is both of their testosterone goes up. That causes the guy to say, I'm going to get her no matter what. It causes her sex drive to be higher than it may otherwise be. But mm-hmm. the the biggie, I think, is that there's two times when Mother Nature decided to imbue men with more oxytocin. And you, remember, I told you that's really the the, the more female uh, hormone. Mm-hmm. It causes women to be uh, giving and empathic and self-sacrificing, right? So so men have more of that, though. On two occasions. One is when they're courting a woman, and the other is when that person has a baby. Mm-hmm. So in both cases, that extra oxytocin is there to help the bonding process. The oxytocin causes him to be more like a woman. He's, he's a bit more disclosing of his feelings. He's a bit more able to, to just relationally sit and gaze into her eyes and talk, 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 you know. 
<laughs> and all of that turns her on and makes her feel like she she can really be known by him. It it feels more like the relationships with females that she had in her childhood. So it she lets down her guard. Now, therefore, we can conclude from that if if a guy will continue to say, you know, tell me what happened today and then watch for opportunities to say and how did you feel about that? And to also ask a woman about her relationships, you know, her relationship with her mom, her relationship with her sister, with her friends, because women love talking about relations. You know, if you want to get her to talk. Mm-hmm. That's usually not difficult. <laughs> you don't want a woman to shut down. No, that's that's for no, sure. you got to keep her talking. So... It's her what way of saying, I want a relationship with you, you know. Mm-hmm. So what should men be doing? Uh, I, obviously, they should be turning on the oxytocin, but uh, how, how, as we, you know, as, as mm-hmm. couples move forward and they want to stay successful, yeah. what do both sides need to do to keep making it work? Because the guy's not going to shut down the sex drive and the woman's not mm-hmm. going to go for, like, I'm horny. And uh, since I see you all the time, I don't appreciate you, but I want to get laid. It has to be mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, you know, and I, and I think that, again, the guy needs to approach her to with... Further their... I, I, again, about the sex thing, I, I think the guy needs to approach her with words of romance and emotion and it goes a lot better then she gets it she gets what's happening you know but is there um, a physical is physical uh, reason why a lot of women kind of dial down the sex after you know the relationships i mean you know i know from being in a lot of single relationships it was just uh-huh. onward and upward always and then i've noticed from talking to a lot of people who i know who are married it doesn't seem like yeah. sex is much of a driver in the relationships um, when when they have kids, her oxytocin goes up more, and to, so she can take care of the kids. And and of course, uh, as I mentioned before, oxytocin cuts off her testosterone, so she doesn't feel her sex drive. But that is, it's it's not that she doesn't have it. It's it just that it gets sort of covered, you know. And that's why uh, you know every book from here to Kingdom Come says you have to romance her to mm-hmm. help her come into that. You know, you've got to, it, basically, you've got to help her feel her testosterone. Yep, that's great advice. You, you talk about fixing guys. Uh, one of the things in your kind of bio mm-hmm. is about a lot of women come into relationships mm-hmm. wanting to, or kind of figuring out in their own minds, like how I'm going to fix this guy. Talk to us about that a little bit, if you would, doctor, because I think that's uh you know, that's rampant in terms of uh, how a lot of women think, and I think it's sometimes a misguided goal. It is I mean, you want the other person to be the best they could possibly be, but it's not really yeah. about fixing because you, you want the person to be who they are, but the best version of themselves, and the purpose mm-hmm. of a relationship isn't about fixing somebody. And I can assure you that men don't go into relationships saying, I'm going to fix her. They might want to doll her up, but they're not going to say, I have to fix her. And mm-hmm. I think women actually do think about like, well, I need to tweak this and this and this about, and if he only did those four things, then he'd be everything. And it's yeah. a whole different dynamic there. Yeah, I think I think it is rampant. You know, um, 
I think I think that women can exhaust themselves by doing that. And I tell women the story of um, in in India. There's a village where the women once a year wade into the water, into a river. I hope it's clean. I don't know, but um, and they and then they dunk under it. And as they do that, that's symbolic of letting go of other people's problems or their desire to to fix everybody. Because you understand the maternal in- instinct does help women fix kids, <laughs> you know. And so, but but women cannot do that with men. They've got to say that's a grown man, and I'm not I'm not fixing him. I think women have to educate themselves because the differences between men and women really hit them the hardest, I think. They have to adjust their expectations and structure and broaden their life so they do get their needs met. And in the book, I do talk about how uh, women have got to have female friends. And the reason is that other things happen in those relationships. Both of them have high circulating oxytocin, which means that they're both all about bonding. So two women will do a lot of, they touch each other, they giggle, they tell secrets, you know, they do a lot of bonding stuff that women miss if they don't have that. And besides that, they have this free, open dialogue that goes everywhere, you know, and um, very satisfying to a woman's brain to have that. So she shouldn't give that up. The other thing is that she's she's got to learn to talk to a guy in a way that he can get because testosterone makes his brain efficiency-seeking. So when she needs to present a, a, a concern, she needs to first you know, journal or, or talk it out or get to a place where she can, can locate her bottom line. That is what she wants him to do. And then present that. Then he's... You know, if she, if she can just say, my bottom line is, would you text me by 4.30 every day so I know when you're coming home for dinner? You know, that kind of thing. Um, Specifics. And then she can talk some about her feelings. But um, men talk different, and she has to adapt to that. And And the other big thing is, you know, we do need to enjoy the differences. Just flat out, you know. And in other other times, other other um, countries, you know, people see the male female relationship as more mystical than we do. We have gotten awfully practical, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it's yeah. good to hold it a little aloof. It's what the philosopher and theologian Martin Buber called the I Thou relationship. It's it's a relationship of respect where you you you'll never get the other person. You're in a different kind of brain, you know. But but you can observe what you cherish about that person, and then once in a while just set the restart button because you're not going to be able to figure everything out. And I don't know mm-hmm. if it's worth your time. <laughs> you know, there's just yeah, that's, differences. That's a good thing too. It's good to have a little mystery. Let me throw a little bit of a curveball at you. I was talking to my, I'm doing some research on something I'm working on now. And I asked, uh, I was asking my uh, niece, she's approaching 40 and she's newly uh, divorced and has a kid. And it's tough. And I know she's, you know, the, people trying to date at that age, you know, they're kind mm-hmm. of straddling the old school sure. and the new school. So it's yeah. all technology and there's meet me and there's Tinder and there's all, and there's match. And there's so many different dating 
uh, apps for tech, uh, you know, tech, tech, tech apps that I said, oh, how do you, how do you handle all that? Is it a gift or a curse? And she said, the problem is, you know, the good news is you can research anybody right away. You can see what they're mm-hmm. up to, but what's happened. Yeah. And she picked up the phone and she said, this is who every guy is cheating with this. And she was holding up her phone because everybody's mm-hmm. out there on all these different apps. You know, you're yeah. competing with 10 women who are in this phone at the yeah. same time. And that's how yeah. it is. And it's like, everybody's just, it's disposable now. What are your thoughts and experiences with that, with some of the women you're dealing with and men you're dealing with today who are, you know, in that 35 to 45 age range or even, you know, 25 to, you know, 25 to 50, whatever, you know, how, oh, how, is, you know, how is that impacting things? Yeah. Everybody's dating. What do you mean? <laughs> I mean, yeah. 60 and 70 year olds are dating, but, um, I do believe that our brains are uh, seeking a re- a relationship, you know, and that we're that we're uh, you know going through a whole bunch of people in search of this thing that says yes, that's the one, which is kind of a mystery, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, particularly. Females' brains are extremely affiliative or, or relational, and they can't get around that. That's just that's there. You know, you, you've heard of women in in top uh, corporate positions, and then they they quit their job because they decide they'd like to stay home with the kids. In other words, the the work setting is they climbed the ladder, they worked really hard, but actually, it wasn't that important. And their relationships are more important. And that Mm -hmm. really is a female brain, you know, whatever's going on in our world. That is her brain. So I know there's there's a lot of competition and and all that kind of thing, but I I do think people are are looking for someone. Now, of course, we can also exhort people to don't don't be so shallow, you know. Right. You know, try try to go go deeper with people, you know, mm-hmm. and and know that a human being needs to sacrifice for love, or it won't feel like love. Not not in the end. We it can't all be cotton candy, or our human soul is not really satisfied. We have to be in a relationship where we stretch, where we tolerate, where we compromise, where it's hard, where sometimes we are frustrated, and that's all part of it. And that's okay. Yep. You know, we're like that. <laughs> oh, I think you make so much sense, Doctor. I'm so glad you're ah, on the show. You. Um, just two last questions, and I'll let you go. And I want to get some promo for your books and for your website. Okay. But what is one piece of advice today, right now, you would give women to make things better and for them to feel better and also for men? Well, I, I really I really think it's the idea that we are different and we have to understand that. If if you understand how the genders are different, then you can you can truly ask for what you need with confidence, you know? If a woman, for in, instance, has always thought that her emotion was bad because guys try to get her not to talk about it, you know, then then she isn't in the right place, you know? If if she's confident about it and know who she is and she isn't the the venter that you were talking about, you know, but but somebody that truly would like to talk about what they feel um, and can combine that with thought and reasoning, then she has something very valuable to give a guy. You know, you talked about guys that 
retire and they're they're out of their work world and they've been what I, what we call systemizers all their life. They've been fixing some system, you mm-hmm. know, and they've been oriented toward that. But they haven't been very or- oriented toward the rest of life. They haven't developed relationships with their kids and and with their wife. They don't know what to do. They're fish out of water at that point, you know. Um, men and women need each other. You know, they they carry different energies and different um, orientations, and they need to experience each other and draw from each other. It's the basic of life, really. Ah, I think that's great advice. So tell us about your three, four, five, however many books you have, your novels, your nonfiction, and your website, and where people can find you and learn more about you and also take advantage of uh, your uh, offerings. Um, yeah, you, all my books are on Amazon.com, and uh, one of them is When Your Relationship Changes, which has to do with, it, you know, when you're facing the disruption and the pain and the fear of the big change of a relation, in a relationship, how you can get through it. This is kind of like a psychologist being in your ear and <clears throat> helping you discover the serenity and, uh, you know, the, the special things that come out of a period of singleness. Um, then there's a, the novel uh, Sessions, Memoirs of a Psychotherapist, which is about Dr. Addie Conrad, and she um, experiences Susan, who's um, more complex than what originally met the eye. She has colorful interior personalities because of her traumatic childhood. <clears throat> and she makes one tragic disclosure that plants, uh, Dr. Addie Conrad squarely in a quandary. Uh, so, but but her peak challenge is Michael, who's a striking but narcissistic surgeon who uh, finally discards his emotional hide and seek and discloses his raw pain. Um, so that that book is kind of like sitting in a therapist's office if you've ever wondered what that's all about. The other novel is called uh, Finding My Way, and uh, that's about a woman who has warm characters in her life, her 40-year romance with her gentlemanly dance partner, um, and her her dream of owning a bed and breakfast overlooking the mountains and waters of the state of Washington, which she pursues with her best friend from childhood. And they establish a, an elegant uh, <clears throat> bed and breakfast. And then there's her great-granddaughter who shares a burdensome but essential gifting, and that results in a huge surprise for Camilla. Uh, the the book, um, I love some of the quotes in the book. Um, D.H. Lawrence says, a living self has one purpose only, to come into its own fullness of being. As a tree comes into full blossom or a bird into spring beauty or a tiger into luster. And that's kind of what the book is about, her coming into being. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's that. I've already talked about uh, What Women Want Really, that's written for men but meant to be mm-hmm. read by couples, and then, of course, The Naked Truth About Men and Romance. Now, can they read those books naked together, the couples? They can, of course. Excellent. <laughs> well, you've been fantastic. And your website is, doc, is uh, CatherineFoster.com, and it's uh, Catherine K A. 
T H R Y N Foster yeah. PhD dot com, right? Yeah, yeah, PhD dot com. Yeah. Okay, and you've been fantastic, and I'm really glad you're on the show, and maybe we can get you back again because I'm sure there's so much more you can teach us about uh, the two sexes understanding each other better uh, and and why we we appear so different. And who knows, you know, maybe some of us who've been listening and been part of the show might get lucky tonight. If 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 that, that that's if one of the yeah. housewife shows isn't on, it's not a rerun. Well, we'll see. But <laughs> right, right, gotcha. But, but, Thanks so much, Dr. Foster. Absolutely. I really enjoyed meeting you, you and talking to you, and I hope we can chat again sometime. You betcha. Okay, take care. All right, be well. Bye-bye. Okay. All right, everybody. That's our uh, that's our show. Our guest was Dr. Catherine Foster, and uh, she really knows her stuff, so I hope everybody, including myself, learned a little bit about what what drives each of the sexes in terms of communication and uh, and uh, how we how we kind of interact with one another, and maybe we can do that a little bit better because... The whole guys, guys movement is about when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. So there's some good lessons there. Um, Next week, we've actually got an interesting show. I've got a band that's going to be coming on. We're going to do a music show, a young band, a millennial age band, a couple of guys who are like 26 years old. They've got a band called The Great Airport Mystery. So that's the plan. We're going to figure out how to get some live music on the show. And uh, it should be a lot of fun. So I hope you can listen in then. In the meantime, you can always catch me on my uh, website, robertmanni.com, where I post a uh, in-depth weekly blog. I take on different subjects, relationships, in New York City, work, family, friendship. Uh, this week's blog was about managing fear, actually. So I take on some spiritual aspects also. Um, you can catch me on Facebook, Robert Manny Author. Twitter, Robert Manny, at Robert Manny, uh, YouTube, where we've got a bunch of Guys Guys videos, Robert Manny author, and again, all of our Guys Guys radio podcasts are on iTunes as well as Blog Talk Radio. So I hope you've enjoyed the show. I want to thank everybody for listening in and also thank my guests each and every week who've made the show so much fun and so informative and really have uh, taken the Guys Guys movement and really made it blossom because we're all about better men and better world. And uh, one step at a time, when you start by fixing yourself, that's the best and fastest way to fix the world. So I hope everybody has a great week. And remember, guys, guys, finish first.